This is a Saddleback Church podcast. Today, we're going to look at a journey of discovery. And I've been thinking about this concept of discovery and the different principles around discovery. A couple things have come clear to me. And the first thing is that sometimes there's a lot of joy in discovery. And a lot of times there's a lot of joy in discovery. Like, for example, uh, this past summer, my father-in-law gave me all these pictures of Andy from his childhood that I had never seen before. I felt like I had discovered Andy all over again. And I was like so excited about it. I, I was so filled with joy. Or a couple weeks ago, I had lost my brand new pair of sunglasses. I had gotten them for my birthday. You guys, I had never even worn them before. They were literally brand new and I lost them. And I was so upset, I was looking everywhere for them. I could not find them anywhere. And I do kind of need to let you know I have a thing with sunglasses where I constantly lose them, I constantly break them. One year for Christmas, Andy literally gave me six pairs of cheap sunglasses. (laughs) And he said, hopefully these will last you all year. But I was like, you know what? I am a 42-year-old woman. I am gonna get myself a pair of sunglasses. I can handle it. And you guys, I lost them before I ever even wore them. So one day I am searching for these sunglasses and I look deep up underneath the seat in my minivan. And listen, I don't need you judging me about how dirty my minivan is, okay? There are more important problems in life than how dirty and messy my minivan is. But anyway, I did find them. They were under the seat in my minivan. And I was so excited. I was so filled with joy about this discovery. And I took a picture of myself. You can see the joy on my face. I'm like, Babe, I found my sunglasses. And sometimes discoveries bring us joy, but not all discoveries bring us joy. There are some discoveries in life that bring grief to us. And I don't know um, if this has ever happened in your family, but maybe you thought your two-year-old was back there taking a nap in his room. But when you went back there, you actually discovered something quite different. He had a Sharpie marker. This happened in our home. When my son Cademan was two years old, I have the evidence to show you. And I I will tell you that Sharpie doesn't really come out of carpet too well. Um, So not all discoveries bring joy. There are some that bring grief. But a little bit more serious, like you might have discovered um, something this year that brought you a lot of grief in your life. Like there are people that have discovered that they have cancer, and that is such a hard thing to find out. Maybe you discovered tragically that your spouse was unfaithful to you, and there, there is grief sometimes when we discover things. Another characteristic of discovery is that sometimes we discover things that we are intentionally searching for. Like this is the case with the Magi that we talked about last week. They were intentionally searching for this king of the Jews. And they found him. They discovered him. But, um, and, and I don't know if you've ever heard the name of, um, oh gosh, I forgot the guy's name, David Livingston. <laughs> David Livingston, he was an explorer and also a missionary in Africa back in the 1800s. Um, but he had this goal in mind. He was like, I am going to discover a path into the interior of Africa. That was his goal. He was like, I'm gonna do it or I'm gonna die trying. And so he wanted to get all the way from the east coast of Africa on the, where the Indian Ocean is all the way to the west coast where the Atlantic Ocean is and it had not been done before. 
And so he put his mind to it. He was intentionally searching for it. And sure enough, within a couple years, he had discovered the path. Now, that's not how all discoveries work, though. A lot of discoveries are actually things that we just happen upon, that we just stumble into. It happens by accident. Um, That's actually how penicillin was discovered. It was discovered on accident. There's the the doctor's name was Alexander Fleming, and he was doing some research about bacteria. But he had gone away for a couple weeks on vacation, and when he came back, he noticed that one of the Petri dishes had gotten contaminated with mold. And so he was about to throw away that Petri dish, but then he looked at it a little bit closer and he realized that there seemed to be some kind of barrier between the bacteria and the mold. Like the the bacteria couldn't cross it and that's how penicillin was discovered. It was discovered on accident. Now, the reason I point out all these different things about discovery is because I realized today that we are all coming from different places, different stages of life, different places on the spiritual journey. Some of you are coming in here today and your hearts are full of joy, but others of you are coming in and your hearts are full of grief. Some of you are here today because you're intentionally searching for something. Like you're looking for God, you are looking for some answers, maybe there's some source of pain in your life and you are looking for comfort from that. But a lot of you are here today just because you're here today. And you're not really looking for something in particular, but maybe you came because you always come at Christmas time. That's what you do. It's a, it's a holiday tradition. Or maybe you're here because a friend brought you or, or whatever reason, but you're here. And I just want to point out that there can be really significant life-changing discoveries whether you're looking for them or not. They can find you, it can happen on accident. Like these these shepherds that we talked about in Luke 2 just a minute ago, they certainly were not expecting anything different that night when they showed up for work. They thought it was just gonna be tending their sheep, but they are about to have the most life-changing discovery ever introduced to mankind. And so I, I say all of that to say, regardless of where you are coming from today, that God can find you. Because you don't necessarily have to be seeking God for God to find you. And I hope that creates a little bit of anticipation in your heart today. Because he might have some type of discovery for you that is going to light up your life in a whole new way this holiday season. So we're gonna look at the story of the shepherds and and all the different things that they discovered about God through their interaction with these angels. So if you, um, if you have your Bible, you can open it up to uh, Luke chapter 2. That's where the story is. But I want you to think about these shepherds with me. And the thing is about these shepherds, you, there's such an irony that God would have chosen shepherds to be the very first people that he would introduce his son to. Because you have to understand the way shepherds were viewed in those days. The Bible has a lot to say about shepherds all throughout the Bible. There's all kinds of hall of famers in the Bible that were shepherds by occupation. Like Jacob was a shepherd, Moses was a shepherd, King David even was a shepherd. That's how he got his start in life. Um, But somewhere along the way, shepherding went from this very respectable family business to this low level job for social outcasts. 
And so shepherds were seen as second-class citizens. They were, they were smelly because they always lived outside. Their clothes were dirty. They, they were not trusted. They, they, they might steal from you. They might let their sheep wander on property that they had no be- business being on. They were actually so dishonest that their, their testimony was not even admissible in a court of law. So I just, I want you to get the right mental framework for, for these shepherds. They were a little bit shady characters, okay? Now, I'm from South Carolina. We got some guys like this in South Carolina. And, and when I think about guys like this, I got an image that pops in my head. It's this big old burly guy, and he might not shower too often. He probably drinks a lot of beer and smoke, chews a lot of tobacco, and he says some words that I don't want my kids to hear. So... The Bible does not really give those details to the shepherds, but I'm from South Carolina, so that's the image I get in my head. And I just want you to get the proper mental image of the kind of people that we're talking about here. Like, it's not those cute little shepherds with the staff that stand on stage in the nativity, okay? These are, these are not the kind of guys that you're asking to babysit your kids. These are, these are little sketchy characters. And I just think that it's so interesting, so amazing, that when God searched the whole earth to think, who am I gonna tell first? that my son's coming to earth. He chose the shepherds, right? Like you would think that he would have chosen someone a little bit more respectable, someone that people would actually trust. But God has this way of just flipping our paradigms upside down. And it's so interesting because he did something very similar when he announced the resurrection of Jesus. Do you guys remember who the very first person was that Jesus appeared to when he resurrected from the dead, and he told this person to go tell everybody else. Let me give you a hint. This person's testimony also would not have been admissible in a court of law, because she was a woman. And not only that, she was a woman with a questionable past. And so you think about that. It's just so interesting, the two very biggest announcements ever in the whole world, God came to earth and Jesus rose from the dead and he entrusts that sacred information to marginalized members of society. And it, it just makes you think, like what, what was God wanting to communicate through that? Like why did he do that? What does he want us to discover about his character and the things that he values? One thing that's really clear is that God likes to use unlikely people. He likes to use unlikely people. That's what we saw with the Magi. The Magi were unlikely people. They were so far from God. They were nowhere close to what was going on in Bethlehem. It it doesn't make sense that God would use them. They weren't even actually like God seekers per se. That word Magi is closely associated with the word magician. They're like astrologers. They like look at the stars and stuff. But, But God used these very unlikely people to welcome his son to earth. The same is true with the shepherds. The shepherds were common. They were ordinary. They were overlooked looked in society, and God used them. And it just makes me wonder if you've ever felt like a second-class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Like maybe you're really common and ordinary, and people tend to overlook you. Or maybe you feel like you're so far from God. Like, man, my, my life is so messed up. My past is so messed up. I'm not spiritual enough. So I'll come to church, but, but I'm not really expecting anything because God would never use a person like me. My friend, can I just say to you, don't discount yourself, because God likes to use unlikely people. 
Don't you see everything in this Christmas story is upside down? Like God sent the glory of heaven, his son, not as a fully grown man who could reason and teach and take care of himself, but as this helpless little infant. And he, he sent him from the riches of heaven into poverty. This king of all kings, he was not born in a palace surrounded by royalty. That's how we would have written the story. He was born into a stable. He was placed into this dirty animal feeding trough. That's how God wrote the story. He invited both the magi and the shepherds, both the social elite and the social outcasts to come to this birthday party. Why did he do all of this? It was to show us that he is a different kind of king and this is a different kind of kingdom. He loves to use unlikely people. We see it all over the Christmas story and all over the Bible. And so I want us to notice that when the shepherds received that news that night from the angels, it, it's like the angels just burst through the night. The, the shepherds were scared to death. They were not expecting this. How many of you know, though, that God does not need an invitation to show up at the party, right? He just, he just comes where, whenever he wants to. And, and so the, the angel shows up that night and he says to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I love that phrase, the good news of great joy for all people. Because what that means is that this message can find you wherever you are. Whatever you are facing in life, it can be good news of great joy. Even if you walked in here with heaviness, even with so much sadness, there are places in your heart that you don't think that good news could get to. I'm here to tell you today, it is good news of great joy even there. It's good news of great joy if you are well provided for in this season or if you are barely making ends meet. It is good news of great joy if you welcomed in a brand new baby this year or if you are just really grieving the loss of someone that you loved. It's good news of great joy for every season of life, for those students who are heading into finals this week, for that mama who is just like really stressed out trying to work all the details of Christmas together. It's good news of great joy for those of you who are incredibly lonely this holiday season. This message is for you. And God wants to bring you great joy today through the good news that he's providing. And here is the news. The angel said, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. This angel gives the baby three different titles. And the first one is, he calls this baby the savior, meaning that there is forgiveness of sins that is now going to be available through this baby. He is the savior of the world. The angel also calls this baby the Christ, which is another way that, of literally saying the anointed one or the Messiah. So it was the one that they had been waiting for. All these Old Testament prophecies are pointing toward this baby. He's the Messiah. He is the one that they had hoped for. He is the hope fulfilled. This, the third title is, of this baby is the Lord, meaning that he's in charge. He's the master. He's the one that has the authority. He shows up on the scene as the authority established. 
And that's really interesting to call him the Lord because when the Lord was used, that title in the Old Testament, it was normally referring to God's personal name, which was Yahweh. And that name holds all the weight of the great I am, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And the angel shows up and says, this baby is the Lord. That's who we're talking about here. And so the shepherds, they receive this incredible news and they have this vision. They, they literally get a glimpse into the glory of heaven. And now they have to decide what are we gonna do with this information? Like what if they had, what if they had seen it that night and, and they heard this news and they saw those angels, but then after the angels left, what if they had just been like, whoa, that was, that was really weird. And they just kind of like went back to tending their sheep. Went, went back to sitting around the campfire. That would have been the most bizarre response. Because when you have a revelation, it requires a response, right? Like that's what God wants us to do when he, when he gives us some new discovery about himself, when he reveals something to us, God wants us to respond to what was revealed. He wants us to respond to what was revealed. Now, when I wrote this message, I wrote this before I got to hear Andy's message last week. And then when I went back and listened to Andy's message, I was like, oh wow, there's a lot of overlap here because Andy also talked about responding to what was revealed. And I was thinking about that, how, how in these Christmas stories, there are some overarching themes, like the Magi received this revelation and they had to respond to it. The shepherds are receiving this revelation. They need to respond to it. And I just kind of wonder, like if, if the Holy Spirit is wanting us both individually as people, but also collectively as a church, to focus in on this point of responding to what is revealed. Whenever God reveals something to us, he expects a response. So check out verse 15 with me and see what the shepherds do. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and that baby who was lying in a manger, the savior of the world. He was Christ the Lord. And they got to be among the very first people to witness it. Why? Because they responded to what was revealed. And you think about how many times we fail to respond to what God has already revealed to us. But see, let me tell you something about spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is this lifelong journey of initiation and response. And God is always the one who initiates with us. And then he expects us to respond. Think about it like a bike that has two pedals. And there's that initiation and then there's the response. And then there's initiation and then there's the response. And if God pushes on the pedal of initiation, but you do not push on the pedal of response, you're not gonna get very far in your spiritual journey. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us that God has placed eternity into the hearts of men, which means that everyone on the planet has something deep inside of us and we know that we were made for more. God has revealed something about himself to us. It says um, in the New Testament that, that we were assigned certain places and times that we would live so that 
we might reach out to him. In Psalm 23, it talks about how God's love and his kindness, his goodness, his mercy, it follows us around all the days of our life. So there are certain things that God has revealed to you already. And I wonder how you've responded to it. Over in Romans chapter one, it talks about how even the splendor of creation, it reveals God's divine nature so that we are without excuse. God has revealed something about his character, about his nature to every one of us. And and when we respond to it, then he reveals something more and we can keep taking steps in our spiritual journey. But here's the thing. We as humans tend to have this really bad habit of suppressing the truth that we already know. I want to read you a couple verses from the book of Romans. And I'll go ahead and warn you, they're a bit wordy. But I want you to hang with me through these verses because there's something I want you to see. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. Underline that phrase, suppress the truth by their wickedness. And then listen to verse 19. It says, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Listen, there are, God has revealed some things. What have we done with it? Listen, friend, I just wanna say with, with the most love and compassion in my heart that this might be the reason that you're feeling stuck spiritually. This might be the reason why you don't feel like you can hear the voice of God in your life anymore because he revealed something to you, but you haven't responded to it yet. Like, what, what was that thing? I don't know what it was for you. Maybe God told you to, you should stop sleeping with your boyfriend because it's not his best plan for you. Or maybe there's some type of character issue or, or integrity issue that God put his finger on and he's like inviting you to change that. Or, or maybe you've been living with so much like fear and control or even greed around your finances and he's just saying, hey, I want you to trust me here with your finances. I don't know what that area of obedience was for you, but I do know this principle that that a revelation requires a response. And so when God has revealed something to you, if you want continued revelation, if you wanna get to know God more, if you want fresh revelation in your life, you have to respond to what has already been revealed to you about God. So let's start there by responding to what has been revealed. Now, the second thing I want us to discover about these shepherds and their discoveries and how they respond to these discoveries is found in verse 17. And it says, when they had seen him, when the shepherds had seen Jesus, they spread the word. So everybody underline that phrase, spread the word. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Isn't it the coolest thing that the shepherds were the ones who got to be the first preachers of the good news? Like it was not John the Baptist who got to first announce that the Messiah is here. It was the shepherds, these big old burly guys with questionable character. They, they got to see it and be a part of it and they could not keep it in because some good news is just too good not to share. Whenever we have a fresh discovery about God, man, it compels us to spread the good news. And so that's what I want to invite us to be about this week is that we could spread the good news. Now, Andy and I had been married for about eight years when we first got 
our mattress, our, our very own mattress. When we first got married, we were heading off to seminary. We were broke. And so there was this missions organization, kind of like a peace center, and they donated a mattress to us. And we were real thankful for it. But let me just tell you, eight years later, it was not the most comfortable thing. And you kind of had to be strategic about how you laid on the mattress because there were like springs poking through. So it was not super comfortable. So finally we were like, okay, we just got to choke up the money. We got to buy ourselves a mattress. You guys, it was a game changer. I mean, I'm not even kidding you. I loved this mattress. I felt like I had been born again. I'm not even kidding you. I felt like I had gotten a second chance at life. I love this mattress. I was going to tell everybody about this mattress. My friend would be talking to me about something completely different. I would just cut her off mid-sentence and be like, have I told you about my mattress? I mean, it, it changed my life. I was, gonna, I was gonna tell the whole world about my mattress. I became a mattress evangelist because there, there is just some news that is too good to keep to yourself. And I hope that today we could all agree upon the fact and maybe stack hands on the fact that when God comes to earth, when the word becomes flesh and makes his dwelling among us, that that kind of news is not intended to be kept to ourselves. When God has changed your life, you've got to tell somebody, right? That's right, so let's get, some, let's get the news out there because let me tell you, friend, there are people that live on your street and there are people that live in your apartments and they don't know about this good news. It's like the best news that they never even knew that they needed. It's good news of great joy and it's for them and they don't know about it. You have coworkers that they don't know about this good news. But here's the thing, today, this is Christmas week. And there is never an easier time to have a spiritual conversation with someone than Christmas week. There is never an easier time to invite someone to join you at a beautiful Christmas service here at Saddleback than Christmas week. And so you can send the invite, you can send the text, you can walk across the cul-de-sac or the cubicle and just say, friend, would you come with me? Because here's the thing, it used to be that Easter was our highest attendance service at, uh, throughout the whole year, but that has shifted. It has become Christmas time because something is happening. Christmas is this enormous holiday and people associate it with, with doing something with church, something spiritual. There are so many people in your life that are just one invitation away from coming to Christmas. You could change someone's eternity just by your simple invitation. So the team has made it so easy for you. If you check in with us today, we will email you all these digital ways that you can promote and invite people to come with you. You can send them a text, you can post it on your social media. But you guys, this week, I just wanna give us all a challenge, myself included. Let's be like the shepherds. Let's be so changed by this gospel message. Let's be so overwhelmed by it that we cannot help but spread the good news. Can we do that this week? Let's get the word out there. Now, there's one final thing that the shepherds do in response to all these amazing discoveries that they have about God. And I want us to look at it because it's so beautiful. And it's really only... It's like the only logical way to respond in a moment like this. In verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So th this discovery that they had about God, man, it, it compelled them to worship from the overflow. 
that they, that they were just so overwhelmed. Their, their joy just bubbled up inside of them. Their awe, their wonder, their gratitude, it all just bubbled up and it came spilling out to God in worship. They were like, God, you have been so good to us. Like who are we to be written into this sacred story, to be given this sacred news? And they could not keep themselves from worshiping the Lord. These big old burly men with questionable character, they just were lost in worship to a God who had changed their life. There's something so special when I see a man who is just lost in worship. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but just imagine with me this big old dude, looks like he just came in from a CrossFit gym. Looks like maybe he's ex-military. Maybe he's real like tough looking, covered in tattoos. But he is just lost in worship and his hands are raised and maybe there's tears streaming down his face. And when I see that, it will stop me in my tracks every time. Because when I look at him, I know, I know that God has done something so profound and so beautiful in his life. He has been changed and he cannot help but worship God. You see, these shepherds were changed. That's what discovery does to us. Discovery, it changes us. It transforms us from the inside out. And the shepherds went back to their same old sheep. And they went back to the same old fields. But they were different. Their circumstances had not changed. But they would never be the same themselves. Because they had encountered the living God. Did you guys notice what the shepherds sang when they came on the scene that night? They just burst through the night. I, I want us to imagine together what was going on in the heavenly realms in that moment. Because all the angels in heaven, they knew that the time was drawing near. They knew that this plan that had been put in place before time, the time was coming close because Gabriel had been sent to Mary. And, and so they knew the message had been delivered. And over the last few months, they had been watching Mary's belly grow more and more round. And it was gonna be any moment now. And all of heaven was waiting with bated breath to just be a part of this celebration. And I can imagine God was like, not yet guys, not yet, he's holding them back. And then he's like, okay, now. And all of heaven's army burst through the night. They could not help themselves. And they sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Because you see this baby, he was going to bring God immeasurable glory through his life. And this baby, was paving a path for men to have peace with God. You guys, so many of you have come in here today and you don't have that peace. Your heart is full of anxiety. You've got so many worries, so many griefs, this weight that you carry around with you. And I'm here today to tell you that there is a peace 
with God that He is offering you today. You could have walked in here heavy hearted and walk out of here free because you received the gift that heaven is offering you today. And you can do it right there from your seat in this moment. You can say to Him, Jesus, I know that you are the Savior of the world, that you've come to offer me forgiveness of my sins, the second chance that I'm so desperate for. You can wipe me clean today, and I receive that. Lord, I know that you are the Christ. You are the one that my hopes are set on, that I've been longing for all this time. Maybe I didn't even know it till this moment, but now I know you are the one that my soul has been waiting for, and I receive you. And I know that you are the Lord. I place you as Lord, as the established authority over my life. You will be my master. And I receive you in this moment. This is the gift of Christmas. This is the gift of heaven for you, friend. Don't miss out on it. Don't walk out of here today without receiving this gift. I wanna invite all of us to stand together right now in this moment, because here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna join up right now with the song of the angels. We are gonna sing the song of the shepherds as they worshiped God and they sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So let's worship together. King Jesus, we lift up your name. You are the one that is worthy to praise. There is no other name in heaven or on earth that is worthy of worship. And so God, in one voice, we join up together and we say worthy, we say glory, we lift up your name. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more Weekend Message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.